and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short, controlled bursts. I am Jason Heck, your guest host. And I am John Ingle, your usual host. And today we're talking about minute number 128. Minute 128 begins with Newt scurrying away and ends with Newt watching the alien queen stomp overhead. And she's stomping. She's stomping on those metal grates and uh, she wants to uh, she wants to get herself a Newt burger. Do you want to uh, guess the weight of the alien queen? What do you think she weighs? Pretty heavy, right? Well, I mean, compared to what? Compared to like Marjorie Maine or compared to like a U.S. Navy destroyer? I mean, she's not. I'm going to tell you something. She ain't E.T. You know, E.T. was a lot smaller, uh, a lot nicer. Uh, are you talking about the puppet or are you talking about like the alien queen? I'm talking about when you're you're doing the Foley sound for this mm-hmm. and you're coming up with the footfall mm-hmm. and you want it to be impactful but not... Uh, you know, our brains can tell the difference. Like we can, we can go. You know, that sounds ridiculous. That doesn't sound heavy enough, so I'm not buying the effect. Or it sounds too heavy. Um, I, I'm not buying the effect. I guess would be. Well, we'll she's, that she's, too. she's what? She's 12 feet tall, 18 feet tall, 14, 14, 14 I believe. So yeah. let's call it. Uh, but she's a lot of spindly limbs. But an exoskeleton's probably heavy because it's super tough. Call it a uh, two tons. 40, 4,200 pounds, maybe. Wow. Oh, that's pretty big, man. She's huge. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess you're right. Let me, um, so you're thinking, so she's 14, she's 14 pounds or 14, 14 uh, feet. feet. So that's Shaquille O'Neal times two. That's Shaq's, yeah, I, I looking, Shaq's head. So I'm looking at Manute Bowl. So we're, we're talking about more spindly legs though. And so forth. So I looked up the height and weight of Manute Bowl, right. uh, former, uh, Sudanese born NBA basketball sure. player, tallest, tallest man ever to play in the NBA. Sure. And um, seven foot seven, uh-huh. only 220 pounds. Mind you, I am six foot four and I weigh more than 220 pounds by quite a bit. Uh, oh, well, muscle though. Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe a ton. The, the alien queen, maybe a ton. Yeah, but I'm not factor in that exoskeleton. I mean, she's, it's like, it's like tank armor, which she can shrug off. Is it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's interesting. Let's. Uh, I'll do a poll on Facebook. We'll do. Well, a look. Guess. I'll tell you how, how. You know how tough she is in Aliens Colonial Marines video game. She's crazy tough. She can shrug off. You know, she can shrug off over action thirty millimeter pump action grenades like uh, like you're just throwing popcorn at her. So you're saying that like the density of her exoskeleton is some some kind of a kevlar-esque sort of well look we know that the that the warriors or the drones or whatever you want to call them you, we saw we saw now the uh, pulse rifle rounds blow them apart but gorman's pistol doesn't do bupkis it's bouncing off of the thing that crawls through the duct toward him so you figure the queen is you know even tougher she's a monster and and she rode she rode up to, to space on a uh, on a dropship. Now, of course, aliens don't really care about vacuums. That probably doesn't mean anything. I'm just saying, she's a monster. She's huge. She's uh, she's the fridge. She's Mean Joe Green. She is uh, Karloff. She's Jamie Summers. You know, think of something tough and powerful, and she is it. Okay. Well, we'll throw it out to the listeners. We'll get we'll get some guesses on. Actually, I'm sure it's on Xenopedia. God, or something. Eric Moore is probably just going to tear me to shreds. Like yeah. I'm a I'm a android in his queen like claws. And he'll use the metric system too to describe her weight. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, metric system didn't get us to the moon, big guy. <laughs> just saying, that's all us. Um. So what we have here is a really, really, really 
scary, overwhelmingly terrifying moment for Ripley. Less yeah. so for Newt, I think. Ripley, who has lived with this for going on 60 years. And Ripley, who not only has herself to think about, Newt really only has herself to think about. She's a kid. And Newt, is her brain is completely geared for survival, as it's been for several weeks. But Ripley, her brain is geared for her own survival, but for Newt's survival as well. So she is terrified for both of them. And I think that that makes her... Um, her terror uh, more more not visceral but more impactful in a way okay yeah i can buy that um i also wanted to bring up that the what happens in this moment we we teased about the, this idea yesterday we uh i said i was going to present some evidence about the uh, alien queen's motives here and where you said that the alien queen is there to kill ripley and i'm going to dispute that by saying i think the alien queen is there to kill newt mm-hmm. and the reason is that's tit for tat to the alien queen. The reason why the alien queen's so pissed off is because Ripley killed her kids. Sure. And that's why we get this, this little gander over from the alien queen to Newt. She says, okay, we're here. I see you Ripley. I see you Ripley's kid. Of course she's assuming. And she looks right at her and I think Ripley realizes it. She's like, Oh, oh that's what the queen, she's going to go for Newt. And that's when the, you know, she's already told, uh, new to move and her movement is, has drawn the queen's uh, attention as well. I guess you could argue that that's why uh, maybe I'm putting too much into this, but anyway, well, um, no, because I think, I think there's, you're right. Because look, if the alien queen is smart enough to figure out how to use a flipping elevator, she's smart, no enough, to get into she's an elevator. smart enough. Okay, okay. But she's also smart enough to, to realize, okay, you took something that's important to me. I'm going to take something that's important to you. And we know that she has some intelligence. Ripley aims the flamethrower at the eggs. She calls off the drones. Mm -hmm. So I think you're probably, I I think there's something there. It may be as simple as her noticing another thing there and Ripley saying, no, 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 no. You need to focus on me. Or it may be exactly what you said. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to wreck something of yours. If that's the case though, she's very easily distracted when Ripley does the scarecrow thing with her arms. She's a bit like a cat with a laser pointer. You know, as oh. soon as she sees movement, sure, she that draws her attention. And I guess that kind of cuts into this concept of her intelligence a little bit. If she has a, if she has a motive uh, to kill Newt for the reasons that we just laid out, hmm. why is she so easy easily distracted by a lady waving right. her arms? Like, so I guess maybe not. But um, it's a fun idea to to. to venture into it's uh, fun to kind of posit theories and then destroy them mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. fun we did it yeah that's i remember when you were a defense attorney uh, you were what zero and 90 on your on your cases because you yeah. present your own defense theories and then kind of blow them out of the water well i i was always defending guilty people and and secretly <laughs> not really living up to my oath no I, I, saw that. I saw i was that like a chamber. vigilante I was like a vigilante lawyer that was right. purposefully losing cases. I saw, I saw the Star Chamber. I'm a big Hyams fan. Outland. Yeah. Love yeah. it, except for this kid in it. Um, <laughs> um, so, so, so anyway. We've got Newt immediately doing what she does best, getting the hell out of there and going to ground. And in this case, when you can't go into a burrow, you find the next best thing in outer space, you go into a duct. And, and I'm going to nitpick this just for a second. There's Uh-oh. nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with what happens here. Sure. But when watching her, just the isolated moment where Newt turns and runs, mm-hmm. and she makes a direct beeline to that open hatch, mm-hmm. I say to myself, 
I would have directed her to look around for just a second. Because why does she know right where to run in this place she's never been? That's it. That's my nitpick. I'm That's not it. saying it's a problem, but you got to bring these things up. We're talking about the minute. You can find this and more on John's website, Newt Picks, where he tears apart Carrie Hen's performance and points out all the things that he would have done differently. Newt Picks. You can find it. It's an Angel Cities site. Angel Fire, GeoCities. That's right. That's right. Angel Fire and GeoCities. That's the two. No, and you're and you're here to pick up the puns that I disregarded because I was about to say Newt Pick earlier, and I said, "Nah, that's dumb." Nah, that's dumb. My audience would no, but that's not beneath Heck. Heck will do it. Yeah, Jason. Jason loves that kind of shit. That's exactly what he'll do. Yeah, he'll, oh, he'll love Newt Pick. Yeah, I'll leave that. I'll leave that for him. Low hanging fruit for Jason. But you know what I'm saying is, you know, you get the camera set up. You, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, Carrier, you're ready. She's ready. Like, okay, action carry, run over, stop, look around, spot the open hatch, run into it. That's all, that's all I'm saying. That's how I direct mm-hmm. that shot. It's mm-hmm. just a moment. But mm-hmm. I guess we assume that she saw that hatch open at some point. She couldn't have. They were inside the ship. I don't know. Maybe just, it was to me, it's so like a limitable. weird beeline. Like, I know. Yeah. Okay. So that's the other argument that, that I was going to throw in there to destroy my own theory again. Mm. Maybe Newt is just like the best at fighting Heidi holes of, of anyone. She's so good at it. She knows, always knows right where to go to Could find be. a place to hide underneath the floor because she's, that's, she's newt. That's what she does. So that's entirely plausible, but you know, you, you also figure that with her, you know, there, there is a giant gaping hole within her, her line of sight. So she'll probably go for it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know if it's like, she turns around and runs right to it. She never seeks it out, is what I'm saying. And I didn't want to talk about this this much. That's that, that's the other thing. Now it seems like I'm making. A now you look deal. like an asshole, right? Yeah, I, I know. Like I, I get that a lot when I do super train stuff. I get that yeah. a lot. That's um, true. you do always look like an asshole when you talk about. <laughs> love that show. Um, so we have this amazingly cool close up of the alien queen as it looks from Ripley to Newt and back again when Ripley does this arm wave and we've got this gorgeous shot of the translucent teeth and the lips moving up kind of to reveal the teeth. And it just lets you know how many points of articulation there are on this puppet. If you're a person who cares about such things, if you're the audience, all you're thinking is, wow, that's really cool and really scary. And for what it is really real looking. Um, but it's such a cool moment as the queen sort of bears her fangs and gets ready to, to, you know, slice and dice and eat somebody, whether it's adult or whether it's a child. Um, the only thing that matters really is what order. Yeah. And I, and you know, I think that this, you know, the close up. we've talked about the wider shots of the puppet and like you're bringing up the close up, all the points of articulation, the beautiful teeth you get that when she opens her mouth, you get the um, inner jaw. You get a mm-hmm. peek at that where before, you know, I could be wrong about this, but before I think you only see it as a, a like a protuberance, like something that pops out. It always mm-hmm. feels a bit like it's always great, but it always feels kind of like an effect, like right? That somebody in there pushed it out. And this it's like, Oh, we're actually seeing the inner jaw without it coming out. We're actually right. seeing where it's coming from. It looks real. And, and I got to ask, you know, where, where do we put this puppet on our all time movie puppets? Like a oh, just a fun question to put geez. out there. Like, how many puppets have been better than this puppet? Now, obviously, they all have different. Many of them have different purposes. Mm. But this one, man, again, we're in a risky 
section of the movie. We're in a part of the movie where this has got to be sold 100%. It's going to be your ending. It's going to, it's changing the way people are thinking about the rest of the movie. If you think mm-hmm. about it, mm-hmm. we moved on to this whole other section. So this has got to work. So the only equivalent that I can think of off the top of my head is Yoda. And obviously they're completely different, you know, right. like he's an actual fleshed out character that speaks, but the risk is the same, right? Like, can you imagine Empire Strikes Back if Yoda sucked? Like if mm. that puppet sucked, it would have fucked up that movie. <laughs> it would have really fucked up that it movie. It would have. Yeah. It, and, it, and I remember Newsweek actually wrote about Yoda as this, you know, they were amazed like he's as good as a human actor, this little thing. And they talked about how he was, you know, a new thing. I remember when Dragonheart came out. And mm-hmm. people were talking about, wow, Dragonheart, you know, this dragon is a real digital, you know, character. And, and you know, then Gollum came out. And do we really need actors anymore? But I still remember Newsweek, this piece. And I don't know if it was David Anson or whoever was writing for him back then. Um, and I didn't read it, folks. I was like seven years old. I'm talking about I found it later. Um but talking about how Yoda was a real new thing in filmmaking, this this yeah. puppet that really was real. Yeah, and 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 uh, you know, to me, the correlation here not only is that you're selling the effect; it's something real. It's something that when the audience is watching it, they're sold, and right. it's a fucking puppet. I mean, that is just nuts when you think about it. Uh, previously, you know, the puppeteering in movies often was. Uh, you're always you're already in some kind of a movie where you're suspending your disbelief to a pretty like far extent, right? Like usually, it's the puppets were in camp in the camp territory, I guess. And tell me anybody that wants to chime in here on Facebook and tell me I'm wrong about this. It feels to me like yes, they really turned the corner with Yoda because they place so much pathos on a puppet. Mm-hmm. Like how much did they? How much of the movie rested on his shoulders? And the whole movie works great, but that was kind of the axis of the movie is Dagobah, you know? Yeah. So, so Yoda's a big deal. And I would say that the same thing goes for this, this puppet here. And in the, we really got to believe in the peril that's inherent in the sequence that we're in the middle of. Like if we don't buy it, Again, I guess I said this just yesterday, but I'll repeat myself. The whole movie, the, all the goodwill that was built by the rest of the movie might be erased. Like people, if people walk out chuckling at this bullshit, if it didn't work, right? What the hell is the rest of the movie going to matter? So this was a big risk, and, and and I just love that it's puppets. I love, that. you know, Gollum. I think Gollum's great. I, it's one of the CG, you know, like a, a motion capture characters that I think still really holds up and and was really startling. Mm-hmm. It felt like a, a turning point. Um, I think that they've tried to do it again many times and not done it so well, mm. um, many times over. But you know, as far as actual practical, that tangible special effect is something that you can see as real matter. Uh, using these puppets and then making placing these puppets in these heavy scenes that need uh, are linchpins of the movie. It's just something really impressive to me and, and, and ballsy, and, and it's it makes you love this movie all the more because they didn't rest on their laurels and say, Oh, we'll just have, you know, a guy in a suit that worked the last time. This time we got to go up. We really got to escalate this thing. And there's no way to put a guy in the suit 14 feet tall. Yeah. We're going to have to make, we're going to have to make this thing from the ground up and it's beautiful. And, and, and then they, they, they have the balls to do close-ups of it. Yeah. And, and it's beautiful. <laughs> it's just, uh, I'm going to say the word beautiful a few times, I guess in this, in this episode, but I don't know. I just can't say enough about this. Puppet. Well, in the extras, I, I know that they're, you know, you see the puppet outside the studio, 
right outside outside the uh, outside the soundstage, and there it is, you know, next to a building in broad daylight, and you're like, this thing, how on earth? It, this looks awful. But then you get it on set, and you light it right, and you smoke it up, and you slime it up, and it looks phenomenal. Yeah. It looks amazing. I mean, have you ever seen Yoda when he's not in action? <laughs> when he doesn't have Frank Oz's <laughs> hand up his ass. No, I yeah, haven't. He looks not real. And like uh, I guess the, the original Yoda doll or whatever, there's a picture out there I think you can find of it that's just like a rotten mess. It's really terrifying. Oh, <laughs> no. He's all, oh, he didn't. Lucas is like, yeah, we don't need to preserve that. Because, because of course, the puppeteering is one thing. Like the the hands on act of puppeteering, the rod puppeteering that they're doing here, right. the hydraulic work that they're using, um, all the technology, the miniatures versus the big marionette, all the stuff they're using here is brilliant. But you also still need all that filmmaking magic. You need the lighting. You need the the editing to be just right. The cinematography in general needs all be right. Uh, the right amount of smoke on the set, so on and so forth. So it's all just this amalgam of, of good, solid work that goes into making this puppet work as well as it does. And uh, like I said, I think there are moments where it looks less real than others, mm-hmm. but I don't mind them because it's been sold. Like, I, I guess this has been an ongoing theme with the effects in this movie um, going all the way back months that we've been talking about it is that if you can give me something that's, perfect real tangible something that i believe you can cut to something that's a little less believable but i'm all in already so you're fine you know like if we get this wonderful close-up of her face um the alien's face and then we juxtapose it with cut by cutting to ripley so we're getting this emotional moment between the two of them and then ripley takes off running um i'm sold so when the alien takes off running after Ripley and it looks a little spindly and puppety, mm. I'm there. I'm, I'm there with you. It's fine. I, I recognize it doesn't look 100% real, but maybe I'll give it a big a break and say, oh, I guess that's how it moves. Yeah, it's only two strides really toward the camera and a lot of it is dark and I don't really care. Um, honestly, it looks, it's run sort of looks almost more convincing than Sigourney Weaver's. Her run looks very awkward. Um, yeah. I'm not sure quite why, but it looks really like she's, I don't know, like hasn't uploaded her human running subroutine or something, (laughs) but she looks a little weird when she turns around and she shot from the left, um, just up from her torso up, but it looks very strange to me. Yeah. I think she's limping a little bit. And I think if I were to make a guess, it would be because of the back problems that she had on the set. So, you know, I don't know at what point, I think this was toward the end of the shoot. I think they, I think they waited till the end of the shoot to do all this. I, I can't remember. For so sure. I'm, I'm the but, asshole basically. For well, yeah. So well, we, we established that earlier, Classic. but, but yeah, she, I think she's a little gimpy from back problems, you know, and maybe, maybe it's in the performance. Maybe she decided, well, I've been through all this shit. I can't just run away. Like nothing's happened to me. I need to be in a, you know, debilitated state of some, of some kind at this point. Like look at all is an actor's choice. It's possible, yeah. Could be. Yeah, I mean, you know, she, she she did get nominated for an Academy Award for this. I think a lot of thought went into it. But it's possible when you're at the – she should be done. Like we talked about this. The movie told us that she was done. You're It's time to rest, Ripley. You've done what you came here to do. So in your mind as an actor, maybe you're going, I've been through so much shit. Now I'm ready to, you know, I'm ready to sit down, relax, go to sleep for a few years. And – 
now I'm running again. Maybe you put a little affectation into the run because you got to show that you've been through that wear and tear and that you were, uh, you know, you're not just able to sprint off fluidly again, you know, like nothing happened. Maybe you want to make, put a little bit of what's happened before in the movie into your performance at that point. I don't know. Maybe but that other, run is pretty bock bock. I mean, it's, it's a weird <laughs> sort of chicken run. Well, I mean, I, I couldn't possibly articulate it, run, but I mean, it's very, you know, bock, bock, bock. I, I don't, like a, I don't, like I, I don't like it as long as I'm saying, however, Ripley bails and she closes the, the one door that we know is going to actually stop the thing. She closes this colossal blast door thing and they cut to the really cool shot of the miniature queen, um, smashing her, her, her carapace into it and trying to, to get in and she can't dent it, but it's a really cool transition from full size model to miniature. It looks really good. It's brilliant. It's perfectly executed. I think, I think until I did research for the show, Mm -hmm. I thought that was the full size alien hitting a a big like wall on a set. I'm serious. I mean, I thought, why not? Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it be? Why couldn't it be? uh, Everything I've seen before, I've, I've, I've already seen amazing stuff done with a puppet. Why, why not this? You know, but the point being is that I'm not intellectual. I, I'm not being an intellectual in this moment. I'm so caught up in it that I'm sold and I'm not thinking, Oh cool. That's a puppet too. I'm just not thinking about it. And then I read about it. I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. It's a miniature, but wow. How seamless is the cut? Like it's I'm sold hundred percent. So again, more kudos. Like this was, this is the week of kudos to the puppeteering to the special effects department on aliens. Cause this is all, I, I mean, I just don't have any problem with any of this <laughs> at all. It's all the best. They're, you, you guys are the best. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, is that, uh, you know, in correlation with Alien, as far as the, we have a double ending, just like we did with Alien, um, we also have Ripley running off to the closet again, don't we? I mean, this is. Uh, yeah, I, I guess this is her, her SOP is to. Uh, um, gather herself so she can so she can lash out and and, and put herself. something on and yes. put something on that, that protects her yes in yeah, this so. case she's not quite so underdressed as she was an alien but um yes yeah, she she puts on something that will give her an edge huh i wonder if that uh, that's interesting i wonder if that's a deliberate callback i don't know you, you gotta wonder uh, i've never really thought about it and i've never heard anybody say it but now that i'm watching it i'm going that's pretty much exactly what she did before. Only it's again, escalated to the nth degree. It's a big giant door that closes down that the alien can't bash its head through. And she doesn't put on a spacesuit. She puts on a giant loader, her caterpillar, you know, mm-hmm. uh, machine, you know, it's, it's this Cameron-y, you know, it's like the giving it the Cameron uh, escalation treatment. And, and it's great, but it does feel like Cameron. Uh, this is another one of those moments where Cameron was watching alien and he said, this is all good. There's no reason to change this. I'll just put my uh, weight into it. I'll, I'll just put more, uh, the more that I put into everything, I'll just make more and it'll be a giant door and it'll be a big loader and all these things. So it could be that he was just trying to step it up from what he had seen in alien. Um, it could be a coincidence. He just Cameronizes it. You know, Cameronize it. Just bring bring Cameron in, and he'll take it up a notch or ten. Like when he Cameronized um, a night to remember and made it into Titanic. It's I guess that is what he did. <laughs> There's also this great shot of um, of Bishop lying there, 
um, you know, smothered in his quite literally simmering in his own juices um, and torn apart and still looking at the queen with, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's looking at it. I don't know if he can feel terror. I don't know if that's something that Bishop is capable of or if he's just worried for the humans uh, whom he is charged mm-hmm. with protecting and assisting, but it's it's a pretty great shot. I love that he's tracking the alien for mm-hmm. us. Like, it's this cutaway, so we get, okay, it's, here's the status of Bishop. Still, He's still on the ground and helpless, reminding us that he's not going to be uh, too much help from here right. on out. But we also get the angle that he's looking up and tracking the alien gives us some sense of scope again. And the way that he's gawking and his eyes are wider, like he's like, Oh shit. You know, he has that look Mm -hmm. for us. So it's basically telling us how to, how to witness this moment a little bit. And it's not necessary per se, but I like it. It's a nice touch. And now he's facing the, you know, the consequences of having offered the queen, the cornbread and she hates it and has torn him apart. (laughs) Yeah, little, little, that's the thing. Is like people assume that she just took out Bishop because he was conveniently right there. Yeah, it was a cornbread. But the truth is, the truth is there was a cornbread thing. It was the cornbread. Right she didn't like she it. She hated it. She, didn't like she it. was more interested in some of that Arcturian poontang. And it didn't even matter if when it's Arcturian. It didn't even matter. So no, gender doesn't. No, it doesn't. Um, and so now we have Stomp and Peer. Stomp and Peer. Stomp and Peer. We have the queen stomping around on the incredibly durable grading and it looks like the grading it was similar to the hallway of uh the corridor on lv426 that took him forever to cut through but so they could to try mm-hmm. and get to newt so we know it's very sturdy and we have this great lighting <laughs> this you know we're focused on on newt's eye as she stares up at this mountainous insectoid unkillable thing that she is very aware wants to kill her and it's yeah. great it's scary it's very scary it's funny that you bring up the welding uh, or, or torching through mm-hmm. and how long it took them to do that. Um, tomorrow, maybe we'll, we'll come back to talking about that again in relation to what happens uh, in tomorrow's minute. Uh, audience, if I've set up an, a nitpick for tomorrow, my apologies in advance. It's it's another new pick. Oh, shit. Newpicks.com. Go there. Carrie Hen has already said, quote, I hate this website. So uh, there's your endorsement. <laughs> For uh, John Engels, newtpicks.com, or .edu. Actually, I think he's trying to educate us. So anyway, go there, pick up a T-shirt, get a fun fake diploma. Um, he's It should be great well, I stuff. Did, I did get a grant from the Department of Education. <laughs> for sure you did. This. I'm sure you did. It's crazy what they're giving money. I love days. it, says Betsy DeVos of newtpicks.edu. So anyway, go and get your shirt and your fake diploma. Yeah, or you could uh, come over to T Public and get a shirt. That's right, and there's no or better way find us at Alien to wrap this podcast up. You can find us at AlienMinute.com. No, no, wait, wait. The best way to to wrap it up is to interrupt my segue. That was the best way. Uh, your instincts were right on the money. Um, there, just like I had a segue going, just talk right through it, and then I'll interrupt you when you're trying to interrupt my segue, and this will be the most graceful ending to an episode uh, as we so go ahead again go as ahead. we stumble across the finish line with the podcast stumble <laughs> and heave ourselves across the finish line and we'll be back with john engel's abbott and costello minute where he goes by uh every abbott and costello movie and analyzes the minute by minute right no so nope. that project you no. backburnered it okay but but i am still going to continue talking about aliens uh including tomorrow 
where we talk about minute number 129 of the movie. 129. Alien. Thank you for listening, folks. 129. Yep. Almost done. Man. Almost done. We haven't really talked about how near the end of this movie we really are. Um, but God, how many audience so, members have we lost to suicide at this point? I don't know. I, I, they don't give us this kind of podcast. Statistics have not gotten to that oh far God. yet. But anyway, we should stop talking now and move on to tomorrow. Thanks, everybody.